Hello, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Creed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Dr. Peter Melanowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. It is great to be with you, Jerry. Thank you for being here with me. Thank, thank you for being you and being us and us being together. I'm really excited about it. So Yeah, it's great to see you too. And we have an amazing show today because I know, Dr. Peter, this is one of your passions. Yes. It's a great interest to me too. It's on God images and it relates, you know, it feeds well into our readings, which are in the Holy Trinity. Right. So, right. We are, we are working on, uh, we're so upcoming is the solemnity of the most Holy Trinity. And obviously that gets into the nature of who God is. And we are already on episode 29. I don't know if you know that, but we are, this is the 29th episode of Be With The Word. And this is, um, the title of this one is how, how unconditional, I'm sorry, not unconditional, how unconscious God images harm our spiritual lives. How unconscious God images harm our spiritual lives. That's what this is all about. Because as I was reading the readings for, 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 for the, um, this upcoming solemnity, of the Most Holy Trinity, that's just what leaped out at me. It was right. almost as though in reading after reading, God was trying to tell us who he really is. Yeah. And, you know, and so I started to think, wow, this is an excellent opportunity to talk about the thing that I'm most passionate about in the whole world and in my whole career. So. You know, I just find working with my clients, I can't tell you, most of them, have unconscious God images that are negative. Mm -hmm. They're not really aware of how it affects them. It affects their spiritual life. It, it even affects their relationship with others and the way they see themselves. So it goes to the core of identity. It goes to the core of relationship. It goes to the core of faith. All of these natural level uh, distortions, these misperceptions that we have about God that are really psychological in nature, right? Undermine the foundation for the spiritual life. It mm -hmm. undermines that because grace perfects nature. And if our natures are harmed, if what's going on in the natural realm is being harmed by these unconscious God images, these assumptions that we've taken in, these ways of believing, these ways of perceiving that we've taken in because of our experiences, then there's going to be negative consequences in the spiritual life. And that's really where I think uh, souls and hearts can be helpful to people. It's really where I think we can be helpful to people in this episode. So. Great, great. Well, you know, I was, I know so many people have um, this idea of, you know, God of the Old Testament as being just, you know, horrible and, and, and negative and, and, and scary. And <laughs> Fire and brimstone, you know. And, when, you know I, there's context that needs to be understood. Right, right. really understand certain passages. But I love the way in Exodus, we have God say, you know, basically um, God being seen as slow to anger and rich in kindness. Right. I thought yeah. kindness was such an interesting word. Well, I mean, if you look at the, uh, the historical context, human sacrifice was extremely common, you know, in the Middle East in these days. You know, you saw it all over the place. Uh, you know, the, there was a lot of, you know, we're, we are in the hands of an angry God, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of, kind of mentality uh, that happens as a function of original sin, right? And sins of others are our own personal sin. So, you know, what, is, what does our Lord lead with? He leads, go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry, isn't that a low bar? Like, he's rich in kindness. He doesn't murder. 
yeah. He doesn't want your firstborn children to be sacrificed on a stone altar. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but you see, he's trying to convey who he really is, right? He leads with the first word in this is merciful, right? Uh, the Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God right? He's leading with things that would have been like very difficult to, um, to, to sort of leap to based off of like what was going on in the culture at the time. This is why, this is why uh, Judaism is a revealed religion, right? God reveals himself to us because we're not going to figure it out on our own, right? We're not, right. this is not something we can get to with unaided human reason. Yeah. So to me, it's just a beautiful image of God. And then of course we get John three sixteen that everybody knows from right. wrestling, but um, but in fact, you know, is it refers to one of the most important passages in the entire Bible. Right, and and I love the fact that it says God sent Jesus not to condemn the world because I think most people think God is all about condemning the world, which is the opposite of this passage. I think we all have places we go to, modes we operate in, that very much where we very much feel that way. Even if we don't endorse those feelings, even if we resist them and we hold on to our God concept, which is our profession of God, right? This is what we profess to believe. Boy, I'll tell you, there are these moments in which it just doesn't feel that way. And I think a lot of the spiritual life is this battle about how do we handle that, right? And this is what St. Thomas Aquinas would talk about, you know, with the passions coming up. Right? How do we, how do we govern those passions and not be swept away by what our subjectivity is trying to tell us about God? Complicated also by temptations by the devil. Right. So there's, there's this. Uh, and when I work clinically, and and we and and we have, you know, these times where people are uh, struggling in the psychological realm. That's often the point where the temptation really comes. Right. Mm -hmm. So the spiritual and the natural correspond that way too. All right. So you're going to be walking us through how to identify these unconscious God images. Is that right? Well, I'm going to start with some definitions, right? Because we really haven't defined what a God concept is and what a God image is. So let's just, let's just walk okay, that okay. back. Before we do that, okay, so okay. we want to understand what God images are, God concept, how they're different. Um, but before that, we just want to mention quickly, please come to soulsandhearts.com and check out our amazing material. You know what? It was really occurring. You said, to me, you said we're at episode 29, and that is true. That means we're at 29 weeks. And we're really still young, but if you go to our website, you know, it, you, you'll see there's a lot in there. There's stuff for um, removing or overcoming obstacles to discerning your vocation. There's stuff for marriages and dealing with pornography. There's tons of blogs and, and all kinds of materials. There's your amazing uh, podcast, uh, Carpe Diem, and now there's a community for resilient Catholics that emerged from that. We just have a lot to offer in Souls and Hearts. If you haven't checked our website out and really explored, I really encourage you to do that. Yeah, yeah. If you've picked this up off of Spotify or whatever, and you haven't come and visited, or if you if it's been around, if you haven't been around for a while, come and check it out. There's just a ton happening, and we're now starting to get, you know, to this really new level. I think I think I can say with all honesty. I, in fact, I'm sure I can. We are really where it's happening with psychology and Catholicism right now. We are really the center uh, on the web for that. Um, so, so excited about that because to me, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about bringing together all these. I know a lot of Catholic mental health professionals all around the country, even around the world. And it's like, we have something that works. Mm -hmm. and, and I really think that is our, you know, a component of faith. 
Uh, and it's so amazing. I want to be this think tank that brings together these people right, right. and give to the world, to, to give to our listeners. And you our look at, if you look at all our blogs and stuff, we've got dozens of mental health professionals, Catholic mental health professionals, lots of voices coming at you. This isn't just, you know, you, Dr. Jerry and me, Dr. Peter, being together, whatever, on that website. It's meant to be a sandbox for, for all of these professionals to be coming together. So, and the other thing that's even more exciting uh, than that is that we're starting to hear stories of transformation, people that have used our stuff and that, um, and that are like changing, like in really serious ways. Uh, so that is like super exciting for me. So we really want you to come with us on this pilgrimage uh, into uh, you know, our interior lives uh, and, to, and, to, and to join with us on that journey. So. Awesome, all right. So Dr. Peter, lay out the difference we these are fundamental yeah. concepts i think for 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 folks in souls and hearts and especially for this episode so our god concept what is our god concept well this is what we profess this is what we believe in our conscious awareness about god right so if you're an orthodox catholic your god your god concept will be reflected by what's taught in the catechism, right? It's gonna be what we know to be true by divine revelation. It's gonna be what we have from the authoritative teaching of the Catholic Church, right? That's the God concept. Now, we all may understand God differently in certain ways, you know, just in terms of how we experience him, but it's gonna be pretty much what the church teaches us if you're an Orthodox Catholic. Right. A lot of times, right, that is God loves us. God loves us. Yeah, God is a loving God. God's a merciful God. God is a kind God. You know, God wants to save us. You know, for example, read of, of John 3.16. These, the, these, the, these are the beliefs that we hold in our, in our conscious awareness, you know, when things are going well, you know, and when we have a sense that we've got the stability in our spiritual lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no. So that's different than our actual God image. Now, God image is an entirely different thing, all right? This is what we feel God to be in our subjectivity, right? So the God, the God image is unconscious a lot of times. It works us on us in ways that we don't fully understand. Sometimes it breaks into conscious awareness. You know, for example, um, when we're in that dark place, now just take a minute and think about that you in your dark place, whatever that dark place is for you. It could be depression, anxiety, could be alienation, loneliness. Like how now do you start to feel about God? Right? Because the tension comes in between the God concept, which is what we profess, mm -hmm. and the God image, which is what we feel, you know, it's what we not, tend to sense in our bones as subjective. Sorry, is that like when somebody is like, you know, if, if, if they really knew me, they would hate me. If God really looked at me, of course, he always looks at us. Right. But in our heart, like, God, God must, like, love others. But if he knows me, he must want to just destroy me or hate me or be disappointed or something. They, I have had, I've worked with so many people that have felt like God loves everybody. And then there's a but right? Or there's an asterisk, right? And there's the single exception for that person. And it comes out of shame, or it comes out of this deep sense of inadequacy, or this deep sense of inferiority, or a deep sense of guilt, like, like I've done something so wrong, God could never forgive me, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and sometimes people are, most, much of the time, you know, practicing Catholics, they're aware that this is, that this is 
not how God really is, but they can't get over it somehow. They're just really struggling with it. And so this tension between, you know, how God feels versus how God is, right? The God image, which is, you know, coming and bubbling up when we're really, you know, in these dark places versus how we know God to be by faith. I think that resolving that conflict is like the central thing in the spiritual life. How do we, you know, Dr. Peter Martin, a psychologist that's a friend of both of ours, right? And he's in our depth group and yeah. so forth. He talks about internal evangelization. He actually talks about evangelizing within ourselves, evangelizing ourselves in these modes, in these dark places. And what's wow. really exciting today is that we're actually going to go through an exercise to help identify when you get to these you know, what, what, what God looks like in your subjectivity in these places, because so much of the time we don't even ever articulate it. We never actually spell it out. And there's reasons for that, right? We don't want to admit to ourselves. I think a lot of times that we have feelings that God has abandoned us or feelings that God doesn't care about us or feelings that God is out to get us. Right. But these are extremely common. Mm-hmm. These are extremely, I think these are universal, right? Which is why we have a revealed religion, which is why God has to tell us in Exodus that he's merciful and kind and that he's slow to anger, right? He's ticking off all of the things that he knows that we, 2,000 years later, are going to imagine him to be. That He knows the ways that we're going to misperceive him, mm-hmm. right? So he's laying these out in Exodus thousands of years ago. I mean, more than 2,000 years later, right? More like 4,000 years later. So, um, so yeah, this is how much he's caring for us, even in Exodus. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. This sort of really runs against the, the notion of the Old Testament God is kind of negative and the New Testament God is it, right. good. There right. actually, there is a consistency between them. And, and that revelation you're talking about just becomes more and more, you know, um, but I think to your point, like even the the early sacrifices and stuff like that, we were engaging in the earlier scriptures in a people who did see God. They had all their negative God right. uh, concepts, right. even right. just negative yeah. God images, right? <laughs> negative God, right. you know. And and God, it takes time, right? Because He says, you know, He He wants to show them He He loves them, like He wants a covenant, He wants a a relationship with them and it's almost like they just don't get it <laughs> they don't <laughs> they get it internalize that no and i'll and you know in, in in deuteronomy right which is the responsorial psalm came from deuteronomy 3 he's saying you know basically it's saying god is praiseworthy right like if you look at some of these gods that were believed in by ancient cultures they were not praiseworthy i mean you might have worshiped them out of fear you know, out of this um, terror of what they could do to you, but were they praiseworthy? Right. So many of them were not, right? I mean, in fact, you know, a lot of times gods sort of were embodiments of the the worst elements of human fallen human nature, right? So, so it was like, whoa! So a god that is actually praiseworthy, that's actually uh, kind, that's actually merciful. This was not part of the calculus of these old religions. You don't tend to see a God image like that or a yeah. God concept like that in the old religions. Yeah, I think we, we hear those words and sometimes they just sort of kind of fly by us, you know, mm-hmm. 
God is praiseworthy or something, or God is faithful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But in reality, that was, those were profound statements. This was a total sea shift. This was a, a turning point in, in, the, in, in the world, really, of God revealing himself to be quite different. Right. So, but so what we are, what we're doing now, though, is we are sort of bringing it up to the, to the present day. And we want to get into like, how, what are these things, what do they look like? you know, when you're actually working with them. So I want to use a little clinical example. This is from a client I had. I'm going to call him Roger, not his real name. This is many years ago, uh, early in my practice. And Roger was really struggling with a lot of scrupulosity. He was really struggling with a lot of scrupulosity. And a lot of, uh, a lot of that was around being displeasing to God. So he was very much struggling with the kinds of things that he did, was this pleasing to God? Was this not pleasing to God? And he would spend a lot of time ruminating about it. And we got into um, sort of how he felt about God and how he felt that God saw him in these, um, in these moments when he was really scrupulous, really anxious. There's, his dark place was really a lot of anxiety about being rejected by God and not being good enough for God's love. And so I asked him at that point, I said, Roger, I said, and I was a little frustrated at this point. Um, and again, very early in my career, I was just sort of trying to work with these in, this stuff for the first time. But I said, I'd like you to say this after me, all right? I would say, God, if you are a bean counting, sadistic God who was out to get me, then I repudiate you. And Roger said to me, I'll never forget this. He said back to me, he said, um, I can't say that. I said, you, you can't say that if God is a bean counting sadistic God who's out to get you, that you repudiate him. I said, why, why can't you say that? And he said, cause what if it's true? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so now you saw his God image took over his God concept in that yeah. moment, right? He's got real doubts about whether God, and he, this is an Orthodox Catholic. I mean, he identifies orthodox practicing catholic serious about the faith right but you can see how that god image just came up it, none of none of that is taught right there's nothing in the catechism that teaches that god's sadistic or being counting or is out to get us right. um you know but you could see how that was taking him over in those moments right yeah. and i was using a poor technique at the time of trying to argue him out of it which doesn't work i was young and you know a wee therapist at the time um and so um it it didn't it didn't help him but i mean i learned a ton from him about like god image right because his god image and his god concept were so very uh were so very fluid right that's the other thing is that the god images really change from uh mode to mode we can have multiple negative god images and usually we have pretty pretty much one consistent god concept until it gets hijacked by one of the god images right uh, mm-hmm. until when it gets sort of taken over yeah. so um so I yeah so that's that's, that's 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 the sort of example you know i wonder what that, that may bring up for you jerry like what what comes into your mind is what occurred to me here was that um i've had a i've worked with a lot of of rogers <laughs> a lot of a lot of people and and even that and I, I didn't try that technique i don't know i'll have to think on it but <laughs> but, but no but i think it brought it home right mm-hmm. because if your deepest what are your deepest fears right about god and i guess what occurs to me a little bit is um there is an aspect of our faith that says you know god will protect us 
or God will always love us. But then there's a reality of life that we feel that God has actually abandoned us or that something really bad happened, right? It's back to that. That something really bad has happened, so, or God let something bad happen. And so now I can't really have faith in him. So on one hand, so there's a dissonance between what I'm told as a Catholic to believe about God's love and everything, and then my actual experience tells me something different. That's right. And it's, it's actually our interpretation of that experience. It's actually not the experience itself, but it's how we make meaning out of the experience, right? So if we've had experiences of being, of real experiences of being uh, abandoned, right, or being rejected, we can, right. we can feel like we are a person who is rejected and who is abandoned, which is tr true, you know, if it happened in our experience. But then we can generalize that to God, right? We can generalize those experiences and say, well, if I wasn't abandoned, I wouldn't feel that way. So I must be abandoned, right? And God must have abandoned me too. And this isn't something that people think through rationally. It's not sort of a linear process that people kind of reason their way to, but right. it's formed into us, right? Because most of this stuff is pretty heavily formed into us before we've even reached the age of reason, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff is pretty well set by the time we're age two developmentally, and then a lot more of it's set, you know, by the time we're age seven. So a lot of our, our work is to kind of undo these misperceptions and these distortions. And the thing is, is that you can't do it just by thinking about it. You know, I have had clients that have PhDs in theology, clients with PhDs in philosophy, you know, who have tried to reason their way out of their God image problems. Mm -hmm. And what you need is a corrective experience. You actually can't just study your way out. You've got to have an experience of God. You've got to have a, you've got to allow God to show you who he really is. And that's what's curative to this. Now, sometimes that happens and it can be helpful to have another person really reflect the love of God to you, right? So you can experience God through the relationship with that person. But ultimately, as Catholics, we want to have that direct experience of God, too, in prayer and in sacrament, right? We want to, we, and, and so a lot of what we do in Souls and Hearts, the whole purpose of Souls and Hearts is to remove those psychological impediments, right. to being able to receive the love of God and to be able to love him back. We don't focus on the, the spiritual impediments as much or the moral impediments as much or physical impediments. I mean, those kinds of things we bring in from time to time, really, of course, because they deal because it all interacts with the psychological, but that's our specialty. That's what we're really focusing on, the human formation. And so, and that's been really neglected. I mean, that's, that just gets lost sometimes, I think. I think it's a huge gaping hole in our catechesis and in our understanding of the spiritual life right now. So, right. Well, so Peter, when you answered that question, that I, or what I posed, I thought what was very, very important was when you said, it's my interpretation of my experience, and right. that, or if it's me or somebody else, right. but, but then it's also the um, way it gets put onto God. So in right. other words, I could feel like because I was abandoned by, let's say my parents, that now therefore God abandoned me. Right. A to me, a shift happens when you are realizing, whoa, God has a perspective of abandonment I experienced that, you know, and, and, and that that becomes, whoa, all of a sudden, maybe God cares about what happened to me and maybe he doesn't like it. And we do have scripture passages that we got Jesus specifically says things like better for a, you know, stone to be, 
uh, tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to hurt one of my little ones. Like he has a perspective on people yes. from other people, yes. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, and that shift is hard to make. I feel like, right. That shift to be able to see God as someone who is not part of the bigger problem, but actually cares about our problem. And in fact, I would argue we cannot make that shift on our own. We can mm -hmm. only make that shift with the grace of God, right? Mm -hmm. We can only do that if God helps us there through experience. So yeah. that's why the experience is so important. I think a lot of times there's a lot of Catholics that can get very wrapped up in their head. The Catholicism is a very intellectual thing. It's a very conceptual thing. It leaves out feelings. It leaves out the body. It leaves out, you know, uh, impulses. It leaves out attitudes. It leaves out everything except like the conceptual. And that's, that's not the whole person then coming in because we are also these other things. We also have these other things. We have these other faculties. We have these other things that are going on inside of us. So, um, so, so that's kind of what I wanted to get to is that, you know, I'm actually going to invite you through a little process here to help you identify what the problems are in your God image, in your unconscious God image. And if you're deliberate about this, you're actually going to discover a fair amount, right? So, um, so uh, we'll do this. Now, I'm going to have to like sort of lay it out, and you may need to take a lot of extra time and kind of go through this a little more seriously. But we'll a uh, little, little not more seriously, but more, um, more, more deliberately, a little more time for it, because we don't want to like stretch out the podcast too long. But there's uh, there's eight areas that I wanted that eight basically eight areas associated with uh, these unconscious God images. And this is some of my own work coming through here. So you start by imagining yourself when you're in your dark place, right? And this could be, like I said, anxiety, could be uh, feelings of abandonment, could be feelings of depression, it could be a sense of being uh, inferior, could be shame. There's a lot of places that people can go to where they're in their dark place. And so the first thing is to like write down like how you feel when you're in your dark place. So feelings is the, where I often start, emotions. And then how you feel God is. Now, when we write this down, I wanna make it very clear, we are not endorsing her heretical notions, all right? But this is acknowledging that this experience is in us. We need to really own where, what we're, what we're, what's going on inside us, or we're going to want to repress it, suppress it, deny it. You know, we try to pretend that it doesn't exist. That doesn't help us, right? It doesn't actually help us resolve it. We're going to be bringing these things to God in humility, childlike. So feelings. What do I feel when I'm in my dark place? And how do I feel toward God when I'm in my dark place? You know, if you're anxious, for example, the feelings of anxiety and the, 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 the feeling toward God may be a fear, right? A kind of unhealthy fear. So the second thing that I'm going to bring up is assumptions that we hold when we're in that dark place uh, or beliefs, right? So these, so what are the general assumptions when I'm in that dark place? You know, nobody really knows me. That could be it if you're feeling abandoned, right? 
And the belief about God may be God doesn't really know me. It's really important not to reject that out of hand and say, well, of course God knows me. God's omniscient. That's, that's some other intellectual thing coming in there. We want to really own that that's how we feel, right? Because if we don't know our own experience, we're not going to be able to be able to bring it to God. So we'll start with feelings, right? And then we move to these assumptions or beliefs. Then we go to thoughts, right? This, this kind of folds into to beliefs to some degree, but they tend to flow from those beliefs. And it could be something like, no one will ever know me, no one will ever love me, or I'm really um, never gonna be protected, right? So these are, these are more like, they flow from the, the beliefs or assumptions. And then we think about God too, right? So it's our general assumption, our general uh, thoughts, and then thoughts about God or how God sees us. Then I'm gonna invite you to take a look at like what your body sensations are when you're in that dark place. What do you feel in your body typically? Because a lot of times that's a sign, like are your, is your neck all tensed up? Is your back really tight? Are you really, um, is your stomach all upset? Headache? when you're in that dark place. And the reason for understanding where it is in your body is that that's often the first clue. You know, that back tightens up and you know that you're back in that dark place. Even if no, all the feelings aren't fully, you're not fully aware of all those feelings coming back yet. The next one, attitudes. What's my attitude when I'm in this dark place? You know, do I lose all my optimism? Do I move right to pessimism? Is the glass always half empty when I'm in that place? Uh, am I really bad? Are others really bad? You know, um, what's, what are my attitudes? And then what are, what are my attitudes toward God? And what are God's attitudes? What do I, how do I feel God's attitudes toward me are? This next one, temptations. What kind of temptations come to me when I'm in my dark place? What kinds of things, um, what kinds of things do I feel coming sort of from temptations? That goes with the, the other one there, which is impulses, right? What are my impulses, right? So we've got these natural level impulses Maybe I have an impulse to blame God for my situation. Or maybe I have an impulse to withdraw from God, right? And temptations will go along with those, right? Now, temptations come from outside. Impulses come from inside. And so there's some discernment of spirits that we have to do around this. But the impulses, though, are what I think Satan actually tries to capitalize on. He's going to try to find the weak places in our natural foundation, right? Because grace builds on nature, right? Grace perfects nature. So it makes sense for Satan to go after the natural weaknesses and exploit them as best he can, right? So, so these, two, these two areas of impulses, what are my impulses coming up from my system? Because if I'm caught up in this belief that God doesn't love me, then it, there could be this impulse to just want to get away from him 
or deprive him of me, right? Well, what a great portal, right, for, for Satan to increase some temptations there along the, those lines, right? And then the last thing are what are the acts? What are the typical things that I do when I'm in my dark place? Is that when I drink? Is that when I masturbate? Is that when I shop and spend too much money? Is that when I'm really irritable with my kids? You know, these are the, the behavioral manifestations that tend to come out. And of those, of those seven things, the only one that carries a moral weight are the acts, right? And even that can be mitigated by how much we agree with them, right? These other things are um, what we call first moral acts, which means they, um, they are, um, unless we agree to them and nurture them and so forth, they're morally, they don't carry a moral weight until we embrace them with our will in some way, harbor them, nurture them, right? So these areas, feelings, thoughts, assumption, assumptions and beliefs, attitudes, impulses, body sensations, temptations and acts. Like if you put those down on a card, right, for your dark place, you'll know a lot more about how you're doing when you're in that dark place. And then it informs us about how we can pray, right? It tells us what we need to be asking for. It also helps us to know when we're sliding into that dark place, because if we're starting to see those things come up, then we can actually take corrective action. Now, when I put together a course on God image, which is the course I really want to do, that's going to be my absolute favorite course, I think, in all of souls and hearts. But when I do that course, we are going to do an incredible amount of work on these things. And I'm going to bring together, you know, 19 years of clinical experience as being a, a psychologist, helping people with their God images. It's more than we can work through all in one episode of Be With The Word. But if this kind of thing really appeals to you, um, man, we've got great things coming in store for you. And that's a course that Dr. Jerry, you've been encouraging me to do for a while too. So, but I'm, yes. I just wanted to just, so I went through a whole bunch of stuff here. What's going on for you right now, Dr. Jerry? Hey, uh, by the way, yeah, I can't wait for your course. I think it's fantastic. I would like to take your course. <laughs> it's so powerful. I think like already for me, um, you know, I wasn't sure what negative images of God that I had. Like I kind of thought I had resolved a lot of that, but we don't really resolve these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that for me, I remember feeling very much like um, in, in that darker place, feeling like um, God was saying or something like, you know, like I told you so, or you're on your own now, or you blew it. I was getting those kind of feelings. And that was causing like a bit of body sensation in my chest and actually a bit in my throat was just this, sense of like not that he was going to outrightly like send me to hell mm -hmm. but that he was basically going you know what you're you're not you just like didn't do really what you were supposed to and you know uh we'll find a place in heaven for you over there you know like, <laughs> oh. and not and not see me after that wow so i was really amazed that i had such a whoa negative uh image appeared Mm -hmm. um of god kind of basically saying you know what you yeah you're fine but <laughs> it was like this uh <laughs> not at all how i 
how I think of him as a concept, right? I don't that's think right. About- that's right. I mean, and I will say that if, if people spend just a little bit of time with this stuff, it's amazing what wants to, what, what comes up, right? There's this pull to health. God gives us these graces and it's also within our natures, right? We have bodies that heal. We also have psyches that want to heal and it's going to bring stuff up if there's an opportunity to listen to it, right? Yeah. If there's an opportunity for it to be heard. Yeah. And um, I think we can heal from these images um from these unconscious god images but we can only do it in relationship with god yeah you know and so um so there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of psych of spiritual stuff that goes with this too this is much easier to do obviously if you're in a state of grace right so if you are, are in a state of mortal sin this is really complicated but god still loves you in that state and he's still providing for you and he's still you know he's still providing you graces for you to be able to return to re- to, to communion with him so right because I had the sense as we were going it, like some sense of despair. I was recognizing my own a little bit of like negativity toward that. Like, hey, this is not a fair game. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. God, you just, so I had some resentment pop mm-hmm. up. But the fact that actually I brought it to consciousness mm-hmm. actually I think was helpful. Like I don't believe it that. So right. I don't believe any of these things. Right. Really. Well, so, in your core, in your core you don't, but there are, there are, there's this, there's this side of you or this mode of you that goes there. So how do I, so now I think I would have to be, what, attending to that, bringing it to God. And, right. if, and that's, that's where I think that sort of core of us needs to be able to bring the rest of us to God, you know, because our, our, our habit a lot of times is to present the parts of ourselves that are ordered and that are acceptable to other people. Right. That's how we sort of learn to operate. We've got these images, we've got social, you know, appropriateness, you know, we've got these curated images that we provide because it's helped us to grease the social skids, you know, and so forth. But when God wants us to come to him, he wants to come to him, he wants us to come to him broken, like bring our brokenness, yeah. bring our woundedness. You know, if you look at our Lord in the New Testament, like, and in the Old Testament too, a bruised reed, I will not break. You know, a smoldering wick, I will not quench. Who is he, who is, who, who is he drawn to? Who's, who's drawn to him in the, in the New Testament, right? Prostitutes, tax collectors, beggars, lepers, you know, it's all the, the people that are clearly wounded. And the wounds in our psyches are really, really great. They're really, they're really powerful, you know, as a function of original sin, the sins of others, our own personal sins. So, so God is reaching out to us. And I think we need to be able to trust in him enough to have confidence in him enough to let him heal us. And that means we have to go to him in our weakness, in our smallness, in our inadequacy and realize that as a loving father, it's not about what we do. It's about, he loves us because of who we are. We're his sons and daughters, you know, and the psychological stuff gets in the way of that. It gets in the way of that. And so, especially if people haven't had the example of a loving person in their lives, you know, that was Christ-like to them, then, um, then that, that becomes more difficult. God's going to provide the graces. He's going to provide, you know, in his providential care for us, he's going to provide all of what we need. But so many times we just say, no, we just say, no, I'm not willing to risk it. We give into our fear. We give into the things that we know aren't true as Catholics, 
but yeah. we give into them anyway. We give into our, our God images, just like this, this client of mine that didn't want to repudiate a, you know, a, a bean counting sadistic, you know, out to get you God, uh, you know, because he was afraid maybe that was really the way it was. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, deep down. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Well, good stuff. And, you know, if you do want to take this God image course when it comes out and you're not on soulsandhearts.com where you've you know, put in your email information, because if you come to our website, you can put in, you know, your information and you will get a weekly notifications so that when this course comes out, you will be able to know to take it. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I and that is that is what actually when people's God images radically improve, that is the most that 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 to me is the most clear fruit of good psychological work. I mean, I am just so honored when I can be with a person on their journey, on their pilgrimage to to really resolving these psychological things and becoming closer to God. Yeah. And a lot of times it's taken years and years and years, and they've gone through so many spiritual directors, so many confessors, so many spiritual practices. They've read a ton of books. You know, they've studied the scriptures. They've gotten advanced. But what they haven't gotten is the experience, right? And it was really psychological issues rather than spiritual issues that were holding them back. Yeah. You know, good stuff. So that's a big motivation for souls and hearts in general. I mean, if you want to know where my passion is, it's right there. So. Right. I love it. I love yeah. it. Thank you, Dr. Peter. Yeah. Uh, I think really helpful stuff. And right there, even something that what we could use. Yeah, but there's way more. It goes deeper. There's going to be way more in your course. But right there, you gave us something that everyone. Right. I mean, sit down with those seven things on those cards. And you can actually do a card for each of your dark places, right? Because we have different kinds of dark places. I have my angry dark place. And I have my stressed out dark place. And, you know, I have a number of other dark places, right? I so I felt was my anxious dark place. Mm -hmm. When I get anxious, I go worry about things. Mm -hmm. That's what comes up. It's like, oh, it's that thing of oh, I have to do more. I didn't do it right. or I didn't do it well enough. And God's just going to be like, eh. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> the indifferent, the indifferent God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, different God. That's it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I and it's difficult to sacrifice your life and love for a God who merely tolerates you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, you know, I, you know. I I sometimes with clients will redo the works of the Gather Hymnal, the hymns in the Gather Hymnal. You know, to uh, sing the lyrics, but put in like you know, our God is a tolerating God, right? Like that's really hard to like get excited about, right? Um, or other, you know, other things like, you know what? This is, but that's to help people really get, like this is how you're, this is how you're experiencing God. This is how you're making sense of your experience of God. This is your subject, your subjectivity taking over. This is how your passions are taking over. And I don't want that all stuffed in the unconscious. I don't want it just denied. I want to actually acknowledge it in humility and in trust and confidence in God that he can heal that by mm -hmm. you bringing it to him. Otherwise, we've cut ourselves off, right? Yeah. And so. You know, you're going to get me started already. My brain is going, and I will raise you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to be careful about that. Just a bit afraid. <laughs> I might come before you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm a very musical person when it comes to these sorts of things. Like my parts will, or my, my bad places, my dark places have different songs associated with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like when I'm really in my, um, 
stressed out, overwhelmed place, I actually will um, will hear uh, I'll I'll hear the song "The Chain Gang" working on the chain gang. Like I'm just feeling so worn down, like I'm on a chain gang, and I'm being sort of like uh, like sacrificed to a to an to a God who's never satisfied with me. So I'm so driven when I'm in that place and I've gotten now exhausted and I, and I'm resentful and angry at God because I feel like he is not appreciating how hard I've tried. He's not appreciating. And in part of what I'm learning in spiritual direction, this came up again, last spiritual direction meeting is that I need to know that God loves me regardless of all my efforts. Like I'm still trying to earn the love of God. So that God image is Pelagian. Right? I'm trying to earn the love of God by doing holy things. Right? right? Some of them with souls and hearts, actually, too. Like when I get overly stretched and so forth, trying to do too much. And so you can actually find, this is the fascinating thing when you get into your God images, is that they all correspond to different heresies. Mm. Your God image actually corresponds to a particular right. heresy. That would be, okay, we have to stop there because we could go on for an hour because I, <laughs> I want to keep talking about that. That is so fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, but I think we do need to get wrapped so things up. Stop. That's the teaser there. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, we may be able to come back to that at some point. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see what, you know, how we might be able to do that even within Be With The Word. So. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Dr. Peter, it's nice to be with you today. Great to be with you, Dr. Jerry. I hope you have a great week. I'm, I think we're all starting to go back to Mass in various ways. So um, our church has, been, has had outdoor liturgies, which has been really nice. And weather's held up for it and i hear you've had parking lot mm-hmm. parking lot yeah. mass yeah well we've so started so yeah so great to get those blessings and those graces again we hope you are staying um you know staying i don't want to say stay safe i don't know who can stay safe uh, just by the, their own will but i hope you are safe and i hope you uh are able to connect with god in a deeper way this week perhaps uh, by putting into practice some of this some of the um some of what Dr. Peter was talking about in those seven ways, uh, seven things to explore. Yeah. Um, so we look forward to seeing you. Uh, well, we hope to maybe uh, you listen to us and hear the word, if you didn't already. Um, and next week's hear the word and next week's be with the word. And join us uh, on soulsandhearts.com. If you come to our website, soulsandhearts.com, I'm going to put those seven things in the show notes, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to just cut and paste them if you want. And then you can, you know, fill that out that way if you prefer to do it online too. We've got all we'll kinds of resources. We'll put those on YouTube as well. Okay, we'll put them on YouTube. Yeah, we'll do yeah. that as well. So, yeah. All right, guys. So until next time, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be Take loved. care. God bless you all. Mm-hmm.